You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody. Welcome to issue 206 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on March 10th. Roger, if anybody asks, I planned this episode this way. To coincide with the Daredevil Netflix trailer that came out? That too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what way, pray tell, do you mean? Because between the time I got home from work and we started recording, I watched the first episode of the Powers series. Oh, dude, I saw that um, that tweet. It actually it appeared and then disappeared. I was going, Sony, you bastards, don't you pull that? <laughs> and uh, so I was planning on watching it tonight. How was it? Uh, if it was bad, was shut expecting. up. Oh, okay, good. All right. Because like I haven't been following the show that much. Like I saw that first trailer and I was like, I'm not so sure about this. And some of those misgivings are still there. Like it definitely seems like the budget wasn't that great on the show. Like some of the, the effects look super cheesy. I'm coming to realize the goofy, cheesy costumes are kind of part of the point of it though. I and it's definitely a departure from the comics, but as we said with, you know, the walking dead or any movies, I'm okay with that. I've read the comics. I know how that story ends. I'm perfectly happy having something that's keeps the tone and the characters the same, but you know, maybe goes in a different direction with the story. Uh, I was, was there a shot in the precinct where you had to pause and look for the inside joke? (laughs) Not in the first episode. (laughs) That would have been killer. They should have done that. Um, Like I was, especially like, I'm not going to spoil anything because it's literally the first five minutes of the first episode. It's public knowledge that Christian Walker used to be Diamond, the superhero. Yeah. Which was a big reveal in the comic, but in the show it's, you know, public knowledge. So I was a little worried about that because I thought it was going to take a lot away from Walker's character, but they spun it in a different direction. So it's much more about him dealing with the loss of his powers and how the public reacts to him knowing who he used to be. So it's, it's a different spin on it. And I'm actually really enjoying it. Charlotte Copley does a very good job. So basically it's as if it started from later in the series versus right from the beginning. Yes. Okay. And, uh, I, I absolutely need more scenes of him with Eddie Izzard. Like when we were talking about Hannibal over on Popcorn Ronin and how Eddie Izzard was awesome in that role. Yeah. He's exactly the same as Wolf here. Okay. My biggest complaint at this point is Dina does not feel like Dina Pilgrim. She's really? a, she's too soft. She doesn't have that hard-edged attitude. And if you watch the trailers and the other stuff, it looks like that's specifically why they cast this woman. There's points through the first episode where you can kind of see it breaking through. Like where, you know, she gets fed up, like she stops trying to be nice, but Dina never tries to yeah, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> she's always turned to 11. So I, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I will say the first episode ended and I actually really wanted to immediately watch the second episode. So it, I was expecting worse than I got and I, I'm actually a little hopeful for where it's going to go. All right, cool. So for those that aren't aware, uh, the first episode, I believe, is freely available yeah. through multiple sources. Like you could 
I think just stream it straight through Sony's website. Uh, beyond that, it's only going to be available through their PlayStation service right now. Uh, episodes one through three are all available, and then it's going to be releasing weekly uh, for a total of ten episodes. Uh, free for anybody with PlayStation Plus. I'm not sure what the cost is for people who don't. Now, speaking of comic book web series. <laughs> That's terrible. Daredevil. Terrible. <laughs> what? You had like 15 minutes to work on a better segue. Come on. <laughs> Nope, made it up yeah. on the spot. <laughs> but yeah, we got a new trailer today, and I'm liking some of what I'm seeing, but it's, it's Daredevil. <laughs> like, that's the thing. We, we've both said that Daredevil as a character, outside of a couple stories, never really appealed to us. But damn it, we're going to try. <laughs> so I figured over the next couple weeks, we would take a look at uh, some important eras in the character's uh, span over the years and really try the um the thing that i'm thinking with this is that i'm equating it kind of like the agent carter series because mm-hmm. when i initially heard about that i was thinking forget about it not interested i can't I, it, it it's not going to hold anything for me in terms of who the characters are at the time and, and the, the tie into Captain America and all that. And then look at it. It became one of my favorite freaking series on TV as of late. I'm not joking. Like, man, we yeah. watched the, the eighth episode and it was like, oh, that was awesome. So I'm thinking about that with, with Daredevil as well. If it's well done, then... I don't care if the character isn't necessarily someone that I normally like. Maybe I will here. The only thing that, and this is going to sound weird, but for me, the only kingpin is Michael Clark Duncan. That was such brilliant casting. Yeah. Say what you will about Daredevil itself and Ben Affleck and everything else. I don't care about any of that. Or Colin Farrell. Oh my God, that was horrible. But freaking Duncan. I forgot he was. Oh, that was, that Why was did you remind me of that? But Duncan was such brilliant casting, and he pulled the role off so well. And so when I saw this Kingpin, it was like, nope, <laughs> nope, you don't hold a candle to, the, to Duncan. I, I like what Vincent D'Onofrio is doing, but yeah, he's he's not Michael Clark yeah. Duncan. Sorry. I, nobody is. <laughs> but as for this week's discussion, whenever people are talking about iconic Daredevil stories, the, the term that always comes up is born again. I never read it either, especially not when it first came out. I was a little young for it at the time or at all in my reading. Have you previously read the story? No. Daredevil was really never something that I read back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I might have read a few of them, but I really did not read a lot of them at all. I've read some of Miller's earlier work on Daredevil. Uh, (laughs) As is kind of true for a lot of stuff in Marvel during the 80s. It's a series that was about to be canceled, so they just kind of threw it to somebody who was a nobody, and that nobody turned out to be Frank Miller. So a lot of early stuff with you know Electra and Bullseye, not bad, good good stuff. But again, just don't care about Daredevil. Yeah. So this was Miller's return to the comic after a few years away. I wasn't terribly impressed. <laughs> 
What were you expecting, though? That's the question. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but this is one of those comics that everybody holds up. I mean, the mythical mid-80s Frank Miller of this was, you know, he did this right before Dark Knight Returns. And this is, you know, same time as, uh, was it, Craven's Last Hunt and Watchmen and all, you know, that that epic couple of years where everything was gold. And yeah, it was it was all right. Really? I actually then enjoyed it more than you. Not <laughs> enough that I would put it on par with... Uh, Dark Knight Returns, not even close, but I enjoyed this, and especially for us, because we're not massive um, Daredevil fans, to really enjoy a Daredevil story says a lot, so like, I really liked just how much he put him through the ringer, and because it lasted enough issues, you really, it it, it wasn't like he was a little under the weather and sad for a few issues. And we're looking at seven issues here of him going through hell. It ended far too on, on too much of a bright note that mm-hmm. I didn't like, but in terms of the, everything that he's put through and that it's not, it's not an attack on daredevil. It's an attack on Matt Murdoch. And so no. there was a lot more drama throughout that I could enjoy versus the action, which then when there is action, even when it's something as simple as him running after Cap- Captain, it's it's like it's much more tense. So then when you have the massive battle at the end, then there's a lot more weight to it because it hasn't just been that throughout the entirety of the story arc. No, I'll agree. Like the tearing down of Matt Murdock, I really enjoyed. It, it was the the building up that didn't do much for me. Yeah, but the, yeah, but there's really there's not that much building up. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And and again, it, it's I I certainly didn't like the ending. I didn't like the way that it it uh, it had to have that happy ending kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the story itself, like I said, came out in 1986. It the born again story itself uh, is running through issues 227 to 231 and then you have the epilogue in 232 and 233 but it, it's all considered part of the same story because it's the you know, same creative team and it's it carries over uh from frank miller and david mazzucchelli uh with uh, colors from max shield and the story kicks off with i mean as far as epic storyline hooks go kingpin learns daredevil's secret identity is a pretty big one yeah he, yeah <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where you think, okay, well, how is, how can you recover from this? But then you remember that they joke about the amount of times he's had a, I'm not daredevil party kind of thing. So it makes sense. So, so yeah, you caught that little joke in Spider-Woman number five as well. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like how the opening chapters of this story played out over a significant period of time. It was a matter of months that. Like you said, Matt Murdock goes through absolute hell. Daredevil isn't even really in the comic uh, throughout most of it where he's out of work. His law business was shut down. He's disgraced. He's on trial publicly for allegedly paying off a witness. You come to find out uh, a police officer is testifying against him is essentially being strong-armed by the kingpin. Uh, his girlfriend breaks up with him, <laughs> which is – Separate from the Kingpin's plan, but, you know, he's distant and, you know, she doesn't want to be around him. His mortgage isn't being paid. His bank accounts are frozen. His house goes into foreclosure at this point. 
And the absolute breakdown of even the things that Kingpin wasn't responsible for, like uh, you know his girlfriend who ends up leaving him and actually starts hooking up with uh, Foggy Nelson, his longtime best friend and partner. And those points where he's just like manic and is convinced the entire world has turned against him and they're part of the, the big plot. That, I will say, was actually some pretty great stuff. Again, all of the dramatic things that occur throughout, um, like what you said, and – him getting like he when he gets stabbed and then he's in the church and getting healed up by this woman he gets who could be his mother by Santa Claus yeah <laughs> like <laughs> on the list of things that you know your life is crap getting stabbed by Santa Claus is pretty far up yeah there. like the when you see him waking up on the street as well and he's kind of delusional and remembering things from when he was a kid and when the accident happened with him there's there's so many things that are occurring to him that that it's believable that he would be losing his mind and they 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 make mention of the fact that even before this story eric he was kind of on the edge people were starting to have their doubts i didn't read those issues so i don't know what that's all about but but it's reference but even not taking that into consideration that's one of the things that when we're reading comics i will often you know, ding a comic if if it's simply not believable that they're, oh, they're losing it because of everything that's happening. And you look at what's happening, you think, nah, that's really not a big deal. You should be able to work through that pretty easily. This here, you're like, nope, I believe this. I <laughs> I would be crying in the street too, buddy. I, I feel your pain. And, uh, and so, yeah, and that's not even touching on the Ben Yurk stuff, which I feel is among some of the best Ben Urich storylines that I've ever read. Like by the I mean, end of the story, I was more interested in that than I was yeah. in Murdoch. When you're seeing the pain and the fear that he's going through, and once again, it's believable throughout. That's a big thing, and and it, and then rising to the occasion when he finally had to. I really, really dug that aspect as well. Again, there were a lot of things in here that I really, truly did like quite a bit. Yeah, running parallel to the Matt Murdock story is Ben Urich, the you know, re- famous reporter from the Daily Bugle, friends with everybody, is, is actually working on a story about Murdoch. You know, knows Matt, you knows he wouldn't do these things, and is trying to dig up the truth. He ends up, you know, meeting with the cop that is testifying against him. Find out his son has some rare heart disease, can't afford the treatments. So of course, Kingpin's offering to pay for the heart treatments uh, in exchange for the testimony. And even the badass nurse yeah. was a great addition, and, and you know, breaking Yurik's hand, and like you said, the, the well, fear and the and great scene, the great scene with Jonah, where Jonah's trying to talk him into yeah. continuing the story about what it means to be a newsman and how you can't buckle to the pressure. Yeah, it, like I said, by the end of this storyline, I was more interested in Ben Yurik than I was in Matt Murdock. And the scene you mentioned the nurse, but like he uh, Ben almost lost his wife, who got yeah. strung up by the neck by this nurse, and he just saved her in the nick of time. Again, there were so many things going that on. Police with officer that officer was the worst bodyguard. Yeah, he was ever. horrible man. Oh my god, <laughs> he needs a freaking bodyguard. <laughs> but yeah, no, the 
everything that was going on with Ben, I wouldn't say that I needed more of that, but I just felt that it was the perfect amount. No, it was just the right running amount. Running alongside that. of that story. And because Miller was juggling between that and the ex-ex girlfriend and everything else, there were so many balls in the air running at the same time. And, and it, it made sense. It worked. It, the pacing was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Again, I obviously liked it more than you did. And I wouldn't, again, I'm not putting it on par with Miller's best, but I really did enjoy it. See, and one of the things that kind of took me a little out of it is how heavy handed they were with some of the religious imagery. Like, oh, that, yeah, but that's Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, no, that's he's part for the he's, course. He's definitely, you know, a devout Catholic, and that's part of the character. But I think they went a little overboard where he's being treated by the nuns and he's drawn in literally a Christ on the cross pose. Like it was a little too heavy handed for for my taste. That pose was. I agree the pose was. However, I would argue that everything else – Personally, I did not feel it was too heavy-handed because no, I, I, it, 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 if it wasn't for that one splash page, I would agree. Yeah, because everything else fits in with the character, who the character is, and and I'm all right with that because it's not that there aren't that many characters mm-hmm. wherein you have that level of faith, and some of them do, and some of them in other faiths, and that's great. Uh, but it's not like it's it's preached it's not like you pick up a marvel comic and you think uh you know i'm bound to hear about god here or something so having the one character that is devoutly religious i i'm fine with that even though i'm not catholic so it was like cool so when you get the scenes with the nuns and all that i enjoyed them because for me i think and i know that to a certain degree you think that too any type of religion religious imagery any kind of thing like that can make for Mm-hmm. extremely interesting stories and extremely interesting um, aspects to different stories because by sheer virtue of the fact that religions in and of themselves are interesting. So having the nuns play an important role here, I was all for it. Yeah, like I said, it, overall, I, I agree. It just, it, it went to 11 when it should have stopped at 10. <laughs> no, I won't I'm, argue I'm, that. But no, you, that, that is a very good point because it, so many comic characters are known like, okay, everybody knows Kitty Pride and Ben Grimm are Jewish. But what does that mean to either of them? Essentially nothing. It's it's a fact on their, you know, trading card or like we've seen some of that with, uh, you know, Kamala Khan being yeah. Muslim. That That's an important part of her character. And yes, I, like I said, I will agree Daredevil being a devout Catholic is an important part of his character. And then once he's saved and the uh, the final proper chapter of Born Again, when they send the, the the killer dressed as Daredevil after Foggy and his wife and Matt just beats the ever living <laughs> crap out of him. It, it was a, a nice cathartic moment to, to kind of recover from everything he's been through. I love that he leaves him naked on the roof <laughs> and steals his <laughs> costume. <laughs> that was awesome. And then we get into the the quote unquote epilogue where Kingpin's uh, hit finally comes through and they bring in Nuke, which is just worst so character over over the top. Yeah. Like I, he's gunning down buildings. Like the body count was ludicrous. And I understand that Matt was kind of in a place where he needed something that over the top to kind of snap him out of it and to become Daredevil again. But it. 
it, it felt like there were some sharks running under it at a points. This is where I had a problem with the story. And part of it is when it turns into this big military kind of action thing it, it as well. It stopped being a Daredevil comic. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, well, why am I not reading a Cap comic? And, oh, look, there's Cap. So that's when I, I kind of was like, eh. And also the character of Nuke is just one of the most I've idiotic. I just have no use for him whatsoever. So that part kind of... Man, I I really could care less about that. And the fact that Hell's Kitchen is being flattened and it took that long for the Avengers to show up or anybody else. I know that they try to limit it because everybody has Mm -hmm. their own comics kind of thing. But when it's to the degree where, you know, one of the burbs is getting flattened, somebody should show up. And they only show up, of course, once Daredevil takes them down. So it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's like there's a, there's a point where you could tell Frank Miller was like, I'm tired of writing a Daredevil comic. Let me just write a Captain America story yeah, for really. half an issue. Be, and don't get me wrong. It was actually kind of a good Captain America story <laughs> with him, you know, finding out uh, some of the stuff that the, the military's into because that was a really important part of Cap's character at the time. That was right before he gave up being Captain America, I believe, for the second time. But <laughs> I said it's just it was so wildly out of place that it, it kind of soured the overall story. Yeah. So overall, like I, said, I loved the first half and I enjoyed parts of the second half but I, it, it wasn't this big transcendent piece of fiction that i feel a lot of people make it out to be i think that if you are a big daredevil fan then i feel that yes it could be i but i, I will say that it, it, some of it might be our preconceptions about the character itself yeah, because again i enjoyed this yeah, obviously more than you i i had a few issues with it certainly but even taking those into account, even Nuke, I still enjoyed this. And I, in analyzing it, in thinking about it before we record this kind of thing and running over different things in my head and how the between the pacing, the characters, the relationships between all of the characters and how they come into play, all of that, when you kind of work through all that in your mind, I had even more of an appreciation of the craft that it took to put it all together so, so well. So as someone who's not a huge Daredevil fan to say that, I think that I can then appreciate how a real Daredevil fan would be really revere this as one of the better stories. And that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. All right. As for what else we've been reading, I'm actually pretty far behind on some of my reading this week. So I only have a, a couple quick ones uh, for what? Well, apparently we're only supposed to talk about a couple, th- maybe three max. I, I have never said that. It was implied. That is possible. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, Swamp Thing, issue 40, the final issue. And they'd been building up to this big epic confrontation and we got some of that. But it it did one of the things that I hate so much. And I've seen this time and time again in comics and 95% of the time it's not pulled off well where they make this big meta narrative about the story ending and the comic ending tying into the character. And it was just – from the first 
narration box on the first page, I was like, oh, God, we're really going to do this. Like it was so obvious talking about, you know, the stories to the point where completely out of nowhere, when he escapes from a battle, he ends up in some weird library where he gets sucked into a book and a being made out of pages of a book of, of Swamp Things book, mind you. Like, it was his <laughs> own narrative that he was reading when he got sucked into this world. Tells him about how his story isn't going to end. And it, it, I was like, ah, completely tripped and fell face first at the finish line. Because leading up to that, the previous 39 issues, I loved. Oh, that's horrible. It just face plant skidding on his nose. Like, ugh. Oh. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I was just going to ask, should I read them all? Because I clocked out in the early, oh, geez. I, if I read six, I'd be surprised. I, I, I remember you weren't even all that into it when it started. No. But I, I liked it and I stuck with it. And I actually liked a lot of the stuff that they did with it. Hmm. Angela Asgard's Assassin. I, I'm still actually really digging this comic, especially now that I see what they're trying to do with it. And Kieran Gillen was actually a great choice to to be the one of the writers on this because of all he's done with some of the Asgardian mythos when it, with his time on Thor and uh, Journey into Mystery, the Loki stuff. And he's bringing a lot of those elements back into now Angela's story now that we know she's of Asgardian descent. And it's actually tying together really well. But the best thing about this issue is it made me realize I want a Kieran Gillen to write a Guardians of the Galaxy story. Oh, really? Because it, it, the it, story starts off with her hanging out with the Guardians. They, you know, they helped, get, helped her get off Earth and escape from Thor. And it starts off – even on the narrative like where they're introducing all the characters, you know, it's like, oh, this is Star-Lord and this and that. Rocket Raccoon and the subtitle was Scotty Young's Retirement Fund. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's those fun little things that he can throw into a completely serious story. Like it, it was it I'm still really enjoying it. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm going to guess you read the latest Rat Queens. No, I haven't actually. Ah, okay. It took a little getting used to with uh the new artist just because it's such a different style like at first, I was like, hmm, like it's good. Don't get me wrong, but it's such a departure from Upchurch that I was like, oh, I don't know. But by the by the time I got used to it, I was like, OK, yeah, it's, it's perfectly fine. I'm really enjoying it because it's the characters that shine through, not necessarily the lines that make up the characters. And goddamn, <laughs> this was the comic we've been waiting for ever since issue eight came out forever ago uh, with – the big hero moments and all the characters just being perfect. And I, I loved it. I, I'm glad it's back. Cool. All right. That, that's all I got this week. Okay. So this is to everybody who listens to the podcast. I'm afraid that if you aren't reading and enjoying Rocket Raccoon, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> it is really, I have not read the latest issue. Oh, no, dude. It, I, I just I've, – I've had other stuff. Okay, you have to read this, though. This is, I know I've said this before, but, <laughs> but Rocket, but 
You have to read this freaking issue. No, I, it's there. It's, oh, no, no, I know, but like... That was on page two of my reading list, and I barely got through page one. Oh, my God. This is a, a, it's a standalone issue, so you don't have to worry about any kind of continuity or anything like that. Um, art in this one is done by Jake Parker, who did a phenomenal job. Really, really cool stuff. This is fan-freaking-tastic. This was just, again, it's one of those, like, it's a parallel universe kind of thing. It starts off, and Groot is just this massive, like, 100 stories high tree, ripping shit up. He's destroying New York. Hulk bounces in to to catch him, and he bites him in midair, kills him. (laughs) And you have the old... um, the kind of old Avengers, except for Cap, he still looks young, but like Tony looks all old and it looks like Black Widow's got a couple of kids that are like the Hawkeyes and stuff. <laughs> and it just is awesome. But they're like saying there's only one person who could take care of this for us. So of course, you know, they're going to go find Rocket and I'm not going to spoil a whole bunch of stuff, but when they find him, it's like old man Rocket. He's got like the white beard and stuff. He's, <laughs> one of his eyes is out and he's got the scar across it. He's like cage fighting for, for money and stuff like that. It was amazing. And so you get that story. And I really, I don't want to spoil how and why this is happening. <laughs> Although he puts Tony in his place. <laughs> the scene where he does is like. You cheer just because Tony's such an ass hat right now, especially <laughs> it's like, Oh, you go rocket. I love you. But, uh, the, there's, there are panels that I'm seriously giving considering giving up my gonzo avatar that I use on Twitter <laughs> that I have forever just for these panels of like old man rocket. They're just so freaking awesome. It's and perfectly applicable to you. Yes. The um the the when you look at again I I really don't want to spoil it for you but beginning to end You've said enough that I now regret not getting to it. Is freaking incredible and the explanation and everything makes sense and everything it's just this was just a great 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 issue beginning to end loved it loved it loved it <laughs> if you don't read this and don't like it like i said we can no longer be friends <laughs> i can't make it any more clear than that uh so new spider woman in the new costume mhm uh, better writing i'll say yes. that right from the get go much much better it, it's, writing it's like this was the comic he wanted to write he just had to get through Spider-Verse, Spider-verse to get there. Which you shouldn't have to get through, air quoting mm-hmm. here, Spider-Verse. Should have been able to make that work. But uh, yeah, this was much better. And I mean, kind of expected some of this where they're going to make it so that everything's going wrong. And there was some stupidity, like the stupid charades in the jail kind of thing. But there was a lot that was also much better. And while I wasn't a fan of this art style, miles yeah, ahead of what we had before so i'm not gonna oh, complain the, the, yeah that's that goes without saying yeah did you no, read... personally i really liked the art i'll say that oh much. really yeah yeah eh, not so much a fan princess leia no i haven't read that one really yet. i thought you were Dude, I... ah shut up with that um okay first of all you want to talk about art style i love this terry dodson did the pencils and oh, rochelle dodson did the inks i loved 
this. Who did the colors? Uh, Jordy Blair. Of course. Awesome. I mean, of this. Of course, Jordy Blair did the colors. What do you mean? Of there course. aren't any comics published that Jordy Blair <laughs> yeah, okay. doesn't do the colors. <laughs> this was fantastic. This was. I enjoyed. The, the art was spectacular throughout. The story was also very good. And we were talking about that before, and I was kind of humming and hawing, are they going to be able to do it? But again, of course, she's a strong character. You're expecting that she's not going to listen when people tell her to take it easy and all that. But what I liked were the secondary characters and what they meant and the impact that they're going to have going forward, especially the this, what the hell is the blonde chick's woman? There's a blonde woman, a fighter pilot who is apparently going to be essentially her Han Solo, female version of Han Solo. And she was kick-ass. She was awesome. She was just great throughout. Um, of course, they had to make her look like she just walked off a runway, but that being said, it's still... The the issue as a whole, very cool. Nothing's truly original, but they set it up with these characters well enough that I really am looking forward to seeing where it's going to go from here. It's good to hear. Uh, did you read the Guardians team up? I did not. Meh. Meh. Pretty much meh. It was like kind of standard. Hey, the Guardians are really popular right now. Let's publish a second title well, from them. Yeah, let's just put them, make it so that for whatever reason they're crashing on Earth, and oh look, they brought the party with them, so the Avengers will try to you know help them with that. And it was really kind of. So much same old, same old that I really could care less. Hmm. I had to read Return of the Deadpool issue two. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I had to. I just I had to. Um, once again, it had some really funny moments. Not like bend over laughing funny moments, but it actually had some funny moments. And it's the way the story is being presented it kind of actually is fun to read. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't put it on par with anything like that. Mayberry has done with that kind of stuff. Not even close, but it's still all right to read. Mm -hmm. But if I, if anybody wanted to read better than the walking dead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Last one, then I'll cut it short. Did you read the, the first uh, Hawkeye? Lemire and Perez? I, I forgot. Yeah, that was one I had for my list and I forgot. Did you actually read it? Yes, I okay. did. I I enjoyed it. I mean, it again, it's one of those where it's not wholly original. It's just going back and forth between when he was a kid and giving a snippet of his past and then adventure with Katie. So, I mean, it's... Don't call her Katie. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's it's nothing that spectacularly original, but it was still a fun read. Yeah. And it, once again, finding a unique way of blending art styles so that you could split the... Because I'm assuming this, this wasn't all done by Perez. It was. No I, kidding. Once I got to the end, I went back and I was like, who did the other? Oh, it was all the same artist. Did he really? Okay, yeah. well then, props to him. <laughs> serious props because those flashback scenes that are like in Gorgeous. watercolor 
were amazing. I started reading and I was thinking, Let me double holy check. I think crap. It might have been like a different colorist, but it I thought it was going to be that style throughout the entire thing. And I was like, yes. And then it changed and I was like, okay, well, that's still awesome too. But <laughs> you can't compare it to those flashback scenes. That was incredible. But yeah, so good. Pretty much what I expected. Nothing wholly original, but it was still good. And it's, I'm still invested in the character based off of, you know, the last one. So I'm still going to be on par. Or you've reached the awkward point where Fraction and Aja's last issue isn't out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Give me one second. I'm pulling up the... Okay, well, while you're doing that, then fine. I'm going to talk about another one. Go ahead, do one more. Um, Did you read, and I was going to talk about this one last week, but then we just went on forever. Did you read Secret Identities? A new one... Uh, on from uh, at Image, and it's done by Joe Faber, Farber, and Brian Jones. And it, well, it's I didn't know this going in, but it's like it's a Canadian team. Well, no, they're based in Canada, but there's hell the president's daughters in the superhero team and stuff like that. But uh, but I mean, this the story starts off in downtown Toronto, and you have this this guy who's opened up this port to some hell or whatever, and is letting all manner of demons through and this and that. And you have a team of heroes that are battling them through. What I liked about this is that the heroes were all flawed. Now you can look at Marvel and Marvel's heroes are flawed as well, but flawed in ways that are like, you know, oh, that Wolverine, he just likes to stab people. You know, it's it's not not that big a deal. But here, the freaking speedster is like married to a couple of different women, you know, (laughs) like there's some sleaziness here too. And it's like, there's really, the heroes are not the idyllic people that you would think. And basically there's one guy who's trying to, well, he has gotten himself invited into the team and from there would like to, um, to take them down learn their secrets and all that so that he can take them down. Well, someone, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who might be listening, but somebody can take them down kind of thing. And I mean, you see different things with different people of these heroes doing again, these things where, you know, there's, there's murder, there's draining blood from people and, and, and really bad standup. That should be, that's the worst part, right? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so there's a lot of different things here that make it interesting. And the, the hero team as well. I mean, it's hard to craft that team that people are going to care about those characters because I mean, people liked like the things that they know, the Cap Americas and the Wolverines and the all those guys and the Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. So introducing a new superhero team is is hard to make you care about these people. And initially they did a good enough job that you kind of care enough for them, not tremendously. But then you find out how flawed they are. And it's no longer that you care so much as you are interested. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I kind of really dug the first issue. Yeah. Um, maybe check it out. Yeah. All right. Back to uh, Hawkeye. I almost called him Hawkeye, but no, this isn't Hawkeye. No, not anymore. No. Uh, it, it, it's uh, credited to Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez as just storytellers. It doesn't delineate uh, writing from art. I know Jeff Lemire does do art, but nothing in that issue is uh, 
similar to anything I've seen him do before. So it's possible, but I think it was all Perez. Although uh, two different colorists. Uh, Perez did some of his own colors as well as Ian Herring. So I have a feeling that that... That, uh, yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, on to what's coming out this week. And my God, Marvel. (laughs) It's so obvious that they are just cranking stuff out, trying to get storylines finished before Secret Wars starts. Yes, we have all new X-Men number 37, only coming out two weeks after issue 38. So good job, guys. (laughs) We have Amazing Spider-Man number 16, Ant-Man number 3, Captain Marvel number 13, Deadpool number 43, Guardians Team-Up number 2, Howard the Duck. First issue comes out this week. Kill me now. (laughs) Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man number 13, New Avengers number 31, Spider-Gwen, number two. Spider-Man 2099, number 10. Spider-Man and the X-Men, number four. Hope you like spiders. Star Wars, number three. And Thor, number six. We know what I'm talking about next week. (laughs) Uh, From DC, we have Action Comics, number 40. Batman Eternal, number 49. Constantine, number 23. And Superman, number 38. Image brings us East of West, number 18, an interesting new comic coming out called Southern Cross. Uh, First issue comes out this week, and we also have Walking Dead, number 138. From Boom Studios, Bill and Ted's Triumphant Return, number one. (laughs) Is this having anything to do? Because apparently they're working on a script for an actual reunion episode kind of thing or movie. It's possible, but I don't know. I don't know. From Dynamite, we have uh, Dresden Files, Downtown, number two. And from IDW, Ragnarok, number four. Really digging that comic. Uh, glad we're getting more of it. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. We just had a new issue come out of our movie podcast, Popcorn Ronin, where we discuss a few Oscar films, as well as a lot coming out from For the Lore. We had two episodes last week, including part two of our D&D campaign, where Roger went off the rails. (laughs) You know what's funny is that as I'm editing it, <laughs> I was going, that was almost too far. I, I almost crossed the line there. <laughs> I almost burned a little old lady. <laughs> All right, then. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. <laughs>